Well, hello. Man. Got your Bibles open with me to um, Luke chapter 16. I'm excited about the message today. I get to do it again. Woohoo! Try doing this twice. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth. I thank you for these that are gathered here at 11 o'clock. I ask you, God, that you would give me the ability by your spirit and by your grace to communicate your word effectively and accurately. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited you're here. We're, we're going we're gonna, to uh, delve into a topic this morning that, that, that really excites me. You know, we've been, it's been prophesied over our church several times that God's really going to use this place as an entry point in Charlotte. I know we had a prayer meeting on Wednesday night that was fantastic. Um, and we prayed for our city and we saw results. You know, we saw a city that was almost out of control, and over the week, it seemed to get in control, and it seemed to move from violence to prayer, where we had, you know, you had different people rise up downtown and, and join with the protest, but at the same time, we were praying. And uh, for, so let's just do this, man. I, I didn't do this first service, but, but I can do it here. Um, I know this is, a, this is a tough time. I saw the video um, that was released by the police department uh, over the Scott shooting. And, and there's a couple of things that's on my heart. First of all, you know, I believe that when, I, I think the problem is just in a problem with authority. I think that's the root issue. But at the same time, when I saw the thing, I don't know that, that we can't get better at. I know that we can get better at using force to, to deal with something like that. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how we can get better at it, but we need to because that was just, it was horrific. And so, uh, you know, we need to pray for those in authority that are, that, are, that are going, that are not only the police departments, but those that have got to make policy. That We can make policy that will protect our citizens, but at the same time, value life. It just didn't seem, for me, as hard as it was for me to watch, and hard, as hard-lined as I am about authority, it just, to me, it's just like, wow, is there any way we could have spared this guy's life? No. I don't know, but it was rough. It's rough. It's rough that we live in that culture. So, Father, we stop. We just ask you, Lord, to be Lord over those in authority. I pray that they would turn to you. I pray that they would look to you. I pray that they have wisdom from you. I pray that we would have your policies in place. I pray that your spirit would begin to bring unity where there's division. I pray that there would be love where there's hate. I pray your kingdom would come, God, where, where Satan rules. And we just ask you to, to lord over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're in this great subject, and I'm starting with this passage of Scripture in Luke. It's in chapter 16. It's one of the most... Um, it's one of the uh, most unique passages of Scripture in, in the Bible because it's like, what? You, you read the parable and you go, what? Are you kidding me? That doesn't make sense. And so you have to kind of look at it and I, uh, a couple of times and study it to really find out what Jesus is talking about because the whole passage is in red. This is the Lord, and he's given us a parable, and it's the parable of the unjust steward, and it starts in 16. Uh, verse 1, so we're going to read through verse 13. It says, He also said to his disciples, that's Jesus, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. Say rich man. He had a steward, and an accusation was brought to the rich man that the steward was wasting his goods. So he called him in, and he said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer 
be a steward. And then the steward said within himself, oh, no, that's not good. No, it doesn't say that here, but that's what I get right there. He says, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? For, for my master is taking the stewardship away from me. And he says, man, I can't dig ditches, and I'm too ashamed to beg. He's looking for a way that he can begin to take care of himself looking at his future. And so he resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me in their other houses. And so he devises this plan. So he called, uh, uh, he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And so he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write me a check for 50. I bet the guy said, no, I can't do that. No, he said, all right, I'll do that. That sounds good. Verse 7, then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. If you've got your Bibles open, uh, circle shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generations than the sons of light. I want you to see a contrast here. You're talking about the sons of the world versus the sons of light. Do y'all see that? So we're dealing with somebody who's in Christ and somebody who's not in Christ. Somebody that's in the world and somebody that's not in the world. And Jesus is saying that the master, the one who is in charge of the money, says, or Jesus says about him, that, or the steward, that, that he is working shrewdly and works more shrewdly than the sons of light. Y'all tracking with that? That is what looks weird for a moment at first glance, does it not? Verse 9, so I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that you uh, fail, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. 9, 10, and 11 kind of are clumped together. They kind of go together. And he says, he who is faithful in what is least, which is the unrighteous mammon, is faithful also with much, which is the everlasting home. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust with the everlasting home, which is what is much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what another man uh, in what is another man's who will give you what is your own, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters for e he, either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay. So as we begin right here, we want to talk about the uh, first of all, the difference between the unrighteous mammon and the, the, you know, the servant or the kingdom, and they're two different things. But the first thing we really got to come to understanding in this particular parable is what mammon is. So we have to understand that mammon is not just money. It includes money, but it really is the greed for more is what money really is. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here looking around, I'm going to myself, I'm thinking, if you're a first-time guest here, you know, this is the first time I've ever spoken in seven years, I think, this boldly about money and about what I'm about to talk about. And I'm so glad you're here. I would apologize to you, but I'm not because I'm about to give you a, a key and a tool that's going to set you free. And so I don't want to apologize for that. Um, and so we're going to continue to talk about money. Now, when we talk about money, that makes some people in the room just hear, I mean, you can see the hair on the back stands up in the back. How many of you, before you got saved, before you got saved, had a holy roller in your life? Somebody that was, <laughs> somebody that was all about God. And, and, and you despise them coming. You see them coming as an unbeliever, and you went, oh, my gosh, here they come. Well, when I was in college, 
they had this ministry called the Campus Crusade for Christ. Anybody ever heard of the Campus Crusade for Christ? Yeah, great group of people. I despised seeing them coming. Why do you despise seeing them coming? Because you need to do business with God. The people who had already done business with God did not despise the Campus Crusade for Christ. They didn't despise seeing them coming. Why? Because they already had, they had settled the account with the Lord. Right? They settled the account with the Lord. They were already right. They were encouraged. Matter of fact, if the Campus Crusade for Christ came into their room, they'd probably be, you go, boy, you're doing good. They'd probably be this big encouragement because they had already gotten right with the Lord. Now, let me just say this, and I'm going to say it right off the bat. If your hair on the back of your neck is standing up because I'm talking about money, it just might possibly be it's because you haven't settled the account with God. you've got issues because what god says is that you've got to you got to get this right because you're either going to love the one and hate the other you're going to you're going to be loyal to the one or you're going to despise the other he said there's this competition going on one's god and one's mammon you're either going to love what god loves and hate what god hates or you're going to despise the very thing that god is talking about and, and he talks about money more than he talks about heaven so you better make sure that you get your money right. But that is not all we're talking about. We, we, we want to talk about what God says about one particular subject, and that is stewardship. Now what we're reading here is a parable. And a parable compared to an allegory is a little bit different. A parable generally has one particular meaning that it's trying to get across. There can be multiple meanings in there. I mean, you can have different scenarios, but an allegory, generally, every person is talking about some type of subject in that. Everything has meaning, not necessarily the same in, in a parable. And this particular parable has one particular meaning, and that is to be found a good steward. And obviously in this parable, the father is the rich master, right? Are we, are, we, are we lined up with that? That the father is the rich master and you and I are the stewards, correct? Right? Okay. So let's just begin to dissect this out just a little bit. You need to hate what God hates. You need to love what God loves. Um, we need to make sure that we catch the meaning that Jesus is trying to get into our heads. And that would be found in verse 8. Verse 8, Jesus said, So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. Now, he is referring to the steward <laughs> settling accounts of the master underminingly, right, it seems, a hundred, he owes him a hundred, let's say a hundred bucks, and he settles for 50, and then he owes him a hundred, another hundred bucks, and he settles for 80. And he does that so that he can prepare his future. What he's saying is, I need to have somewhere to go because I can't dig ditches, and I'm too ashamed to beg, right? And so what Jesus is saying is, and why he's calling him shrewd is because he's using the same principles that he's always built his life on to make sure that he takes care of his future. Y'all need, let me repeat that. Jesus says this is shrewd. This is shrewd behavior. Y'all, y'all look at me. Angela's going to go sit down. Y'all look at me. There you go. Thank you. Hey, Angela. Glad you're here. Your husband good? Good. Her husband's a police officer. We had another police officer call me for prayer this morning. And uh, we've been praying for them a bunch. We've been praying for your family a bunch. Thank you for your service. But he's saying this is shrewd because he's using the same principle that he's always used, that he's built his life on to begin to think about his future and to bring blessing to his future, right? And so what Jesus is saying is that he is he's, he's future-minded. He's blessing-minded. And he's using the same thing that he's always used. Now, what he says about this guy is that he's smarter than the children of light. 
He's saying about this guy that the children of light don't get it like this guy does because there is this principle that we are to practice the kingdom laws, the kingdom principles that God has established to begin to bring in our lives blessing, to begin to think about our future and the future blessing that God wants to bring upon us. We need to be doing the principles that God has established. Does that make sense? There's a contrast. He said, this guy's shrewd because he's doing a good job of using bad principles to bring about blessing. So the per- person of light needs to be using the principles of the kingdom to be thinking in the future to bring him blessing. That is the message of the parable. Right? Right? This is the biggest place in Scripture where we see the, the idea that we have to sow into the physical to reap something in the spiritual. Does that make sense to you guys? There's all types of Scripture all through the Bible that God says to you and me, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. If you'll, if you'll begin to, to do this, if the people of Jericho that we just talked about last week, if you'll walk around the city one time and then on the seventh day walk around seven and, and make a great shout, keep your mouth shut until I tell you to shout, if you'll do that, then I'm going to bring you to the city. So there's something that happened in the physical before something happened in the spiritual. Do you understand that? Here, we're talking about the same thing. There's something that's happening in the physical that needs to happen so that God can do something in the physical. He wants to bless. In other words, he's saying in, 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 uh, in, in verse uh, 8 that we need to bring something for, that is unrighteous mammon, and we need to respond to it in such a way that it brings about what true riches are. It brings about true riches. Now, what you need to understand about this parable as well, parable as well, is mammon is not talking about money. Again, it's talking about greed and the things of you know bringing the increase. But neither is the the true treasures talking about money. So oftentimes, what you hear preachers preach is, you know, you give me a thousand dollars in an envelope, and I'll you know, I'll do this or I'll do that or sow this seed or that seed or another and, you know, it'll return. You see what I'm saying? Well, that's not, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, the true riches is not necessarily money. The true riches is the kingdom of heaven being opened up on your life. It's the kingdom of God. It's every spiritual blessing in heavenly places being opened up. And what God says is, is that you use what's in your hand, the, tr- the mammon of the world, the mammon of unrighteousness, how you handle what I give you is going to bring about whether or not riches falls on a kingdom, riches falls on your life. And that can include money, but it's not always money. It can be that stuff doesn't wear out. It can be people in your household get saved. It can be people get healed. It can be everywhere you touch, every place you go, you bring peace. There's a supernatural peace that goes with you. It can be that everywhere you go, people have an encounter with God. It could be that when you begin to pray, your prayers begin to be more fervent and more effective as they go. It's the kingdom of God that comes down. He says, he says you'll get the true riches. You'll get true riches. And so there's this exchange that happens. Does that make sense? And so God wants us to be shrewd. There is, um, you know, there's this principle that says how the measure you use is the same measure it'll be measured back to you. That's scripture. The measure you use will be measured back to you. God says, if you'll give, I'll give back to you, pressed out, shaking together, and running over. Now, that particular passage of scripture is talking, have you ever, anybody got a bathrobe? Anybody ever use one? Okay, good. There's two people that use a bathrobe. We all have them hanging up somewhere. We just don't ever use them. But anyway, except when company's in town, and then we get the bathrobe. Where's the bathrobe? Oh, there it is. Anyway, you know, it's got a belt around it, right? You put your belt around it, and it's got, you know, 
I, I did this earlier, and I did get it buttoned, but my button had a lot of pressure on it. But anyway, it has, it has, uh, it has an opening right here. But your bathrobe, you know, with a belt on it, it's going to be way down here, so it's going to open up like this. Well, God says, if you'll give, I'll give in you. You open up, you open this up to me, and I'll pour into that until it's just pouring out on the ground. I'll fill that thing up. There's this principle that God says, if you do this, then I'm going to do something incredible. How do you handle handle the things of this world? Man, I'm going to pour out abundance of heavenly things, spiritual things in your life. So what do you value? You know, God cares about what you value. Do you value people? Do you value people being healed? Do you value people coming to the Lord? You know, what, what is it that you do you value things or do you value or do you value kingdom things? And and God says, I want kingdom things to replace earthly things, unrighteous things. And he he does that by pouring blessing out based on how we give. So some people might say that, you know, I, I've, you know I'm, tr- I'm trying to watch for God making provision for me, but it just doesn't seem like God is providing for me. I mean, I don't see God's provision really in my life. You know, you hear that oftentimes, sometimes. And, and the question I always have is, what have, what have you planted? You know, what, what, you know what, what, are, have you planted generosity? Have you planted what God asked you to plant? And if the principle really is true about the me- that you set the standard, that you set the measurement, are you giving with a spoon? What measure is that? Or a five-gallon bucket? What measure is your generosity? What measure is your giving? How are you measuring? You're setting the standard to God. If you want God to bless you, don't you think you might better use something besides a spoon? Maybe you ought to use a five-gallon bucket. I was going to bring my shovel because I just wanted to shovel for stuff in the kingdom, but it, it, I live on a farm, and it had residue on it, and so I didn't, I didn't bring that. I, I just decided to bring my bucket. But you got it, right? You, you understand that, right? You, God, there's nothing you can do about that. Let me, that's what he's saying. Be shrewd. Here is the principle of heaven. You set the measurement. You establish it with God. You pick. You pick. Spoon, bucket, shovel. Be shrewd. Because the principles of heaven to bless you in the future is to use a bucket. And God wants to Bring kingdom stuff. So what does he what does he do? What he usually does is he tests what he puts in your hand. A steward is somebody who handles what God has already given you. And so what God does, your your test is is the money that God has already put in your hand. Now What's interesting about us as believers is I don't have a dollar. Anybody got a dollar? Anybody got a $5, $20? Everybody pull out, a, pull out a, a bill. Reach in your pocket and get a dollar bill. Get a $5 bill. Get a $20 bill. Get a $100 bill. If you got a $100 bill, pull that out. Liz, let me have your pocketbook. We'll pass it around. And <laughs> <laughs> you got, some of them are old and used, and some of them aren't, right? You got your dollar? Not everybody's got a dollar. Everybody's like me and ain't got no money. All right, pull your debit card out. That won't work. You know what police say? That police say it's hard to find a $20 bill that doesn't have some, some, some remnants of cocaine on it. I don't need it. I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to look at that dollar. Thank you, Marjorie. They said it doesn't have some kind of resonance of money, uh, of, of cocaine on it. You know, we use money for lots and lots and lots of evil. I mean, money is used for pornography. Money is used for prostitution. Money is used for gambling. Money is used for drugs. But money is also used for good things like food and clothes and the things that we need too, right? But here's the difference. When God puts money in your hand, it can, it can no matter how that money's been used in the past, when it gets in your hand, 
it, it can be used for righteousness. You have the ability to take something that might have been used for prostitution and turn it into something that's being now used for righteousness. Amen? So the money that's in your hand is the test for, for, for God. Now, the biggest test that we have to face, and the first test, and the reason I'm talking about this in such detail today, is, is I want to talk about the tithe. You remember last week, we talked about when they went into the promised land, um, they, they, they went in and they began to capture the promised land. They took Jericho, and God said, everything that you get, you know, the gold, the silver, the jewels, you know, the televisions, you know, the, the nice computer systems, the iPhone 6s, 7s, what's out now? 7s, you know, all those things, you, you bring them back and you bring them to the storehouse. You bring them to do the work of the ministry of the church. And everybody's like, wow, man. Can you imagine the gold and the silver and the jewels and all that stuff that they came back with? And they had to, Why didn't they pitch a fit about the 10%, about the tithe, about the first fruit? Because they just watched the hand of God do something incredibly miraculous that they knew they couldn't do on their own. And they knew that God was asking them to do something that they needed him to do. And so there was no doubt that they were going to do what he asked. Only one dude didn't do it, and they got punished for that, right? But they brought the first fruits back. And that's what God says a tithe is. A tithe, tithe actually means 10%. And God says, bring 10% to the storehouse. He says, bring 10%. As a steward of God, he says, bring 10% to the storehouse. Now, this is what he says about the tithe. It's holy. It's set apart to God. It's holy. Bring it to me. And so what you as a believer who are putting your trust in God must take into account is that that 10% is not yours. That 10% is God's. Why? Because it's holy. It's been set apart to God. And what he has asked is for us to bring that 10%. Some people take the tithe and they, be, and they give it to whomever they want to. They take their 10% and they delve it out to whoever they want to. And it gives them a false sense of generosity. Because God didn't ask you to bring the tithe and, and send it anywhere you wanted to. He told you to bring the tithe to the storehouse, and the local church is the storehouse. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can make this clear for you, make it easy to understand. Let's say that we went to the steakhouse, Texas Roadhouse. Their sirloins taste like ribeyes, just for your information. Right, Richard? Oh, yeah. They're good, aren't they? Let's say we went there, and Richard and Beth were sitting at another table, and we were sitting together at a table, and they brought our salads out, you know, and it was really nice. It was a great salad. Cool, man. And then they bring Richard a steak, and he's sitting right over here. And I walk over there, and I grab Richard's steak because I saw somebody out front that was homeless, and I thought, man, he needs that steak. And so I went and grabbed Richard's steak and gave that steak to that guy out front because he looked hungry. Now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that was kosher, would you? Because I was getting something that belonged to Richard and giving it to somebody else. That's what you're doing when you take your tithe somewhere other than the storehouse. You're taking what doesn't belong to you, and you're giving it where you choose. God says the tithe is holy. It belongs to me. Bring it to the storehouse. Amen. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> you can see. Woo. I'm just giving you truth. And at the end of this, we're all going to go, wow, this is good. Because it's freedom. This is not burdensome. This is not bondage. This is going to be freeing to you. So what, what uh, the 10% the is God's. 
he, he says, bring it to the storehouse, and the storehouse is the local church. The local church in Scripture and will be and always be, will be, no matter whether it's underground, no matter what it is, it's always the center of all ministry. We, we, we in the church support all kind of missionaries out of here. Everything ought to be brought to the church, and then we support ministries. Now, what you need to understand is that generosity only begins after your 10%. Generosity begins after your 10 So you can take any of your generous stuff anywhere else you want. Your generosity, though, starts after the 10%. Now, we should be a church that is found faithful to giving to missions and supporting different ministries and doing all those things. But you gotta, but you got to make sure that you believe and understand God's intent for the local church, that it is the centerpiece. For We've got people in Papua New Guinea. We've got people in China. We support FCA. We support, um, we support uh, uh, um, ICTHUS Ministries. We support... Uh, several other things we you know we need to support Richard and Beth Allen and and, and Zoe's brother uh, we need to uh, support uh, Frank and Michelle Clark's mom and daddy there are two missionaries that we're connected with that we need to be able to support and and, and if we bring the tithe in like we need to we we will get we'll get them included and we'll be able to raise the amounts that we're given to other people but the the church needs to be the centerpiece and we need to be focused on uh, doing ministry outside of here. So God says that that tithe is holy and that we are not to redirect where it's to go. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me. This is the scripture. A hundred years before the law is when the tithe actually came into existence. It's not part of the law or it didn't originate with the law. The law just was something that uh, that ratified the tithe that had already been established by God. It was, it was introduced 100 years before the law. The law ratified it. Jesus ratified the tithe. Tithe was uh, talked about by Paul, to wrote to the church at Ephesus, wrote to the church at Corinth. He talks about the tithe. Jesus said himself, bring to Caesar what's Caesar, bring to God what's God. Tithing is a demonstration of the lordship of Jesus Christ. When we bring 10%, what we're saying is that we trust you, God, and we believe that, that you're going to open up heaven upon us in such a way that we are going to accomplish more with 90% than we ever could with 100%. Because you're blessing us, because your blessing is on us, that you're going with us. And so um, we've got to make sure that we walk in the idea that we know that the 10% is not ours, it's God's. And we don't need to be giving God's money somewhere other than where God says give it. In other words, you need to pay the restaurant you eat at. You would never eat at Texas Roadhouse and go pay Carabas. Would you? You wouldn't do it. And why do we think it's okay in church? It's not. That's not what God commanded. Listen, in Nehemiah, read Nehemiah, man. It's, there's so much in it. It's so good. In Nehemiah, they quit tithing. And what happens is the priests quit working. They had to start working the fields. They started farming because they didn't have enough money. Now, what happens is people say, well, I don't, you know, the church is just trying to agree. Well, the church is supposed to do the work of the ministry it's supposed, to, it's supposed to pay the salaries of those that work here. That is the intent of the tithe, right? It's the intent of the tithe is to support the work of the many. That's what God said do. Well, they quit tithing, and the, and the people had to go to work. The priests had to go to work. Do you know God didn't rebuke the priests? He rebuked the congregation. And they started tithing, and the priests started working again. But what was really interesting, it's just a little tidbit. This really doesn't have anything to do with much, except I just like it. There was a room that they brought the tithe and they stored the tithe in. 
and it got empty because they didn't have any time. You know what happened? The enemy of Israel who was coming against Israel, who was bringing division and hate and, and just trying to destroy Israel, set up his residence in the room that the tithe was supposed to be in. That's just an interesting thought. That where God w wants to bless, the enemy wants to take up residence. So, pay where you eat. <laughs> Amen? Verse 12. Verse 12. He says, and Jesus says, and if you have uh, not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? This is an encouraging passage of Scripture. The reason being is it says, if you haven't been faithful with, with, with the father stuff, the 10%, why would you get your own stuff? The encouraging part is God wants to give you your own stuff. He wants to give you your own stuff in abundance, in fruitfulness. Do y'all believe that? <laughs> but the proof is in the pudding about how you handle or steward that 10%. Mammon, again, means idolatry. It means greed. In Ephesians 5, 5, it says that greed is idolatry. It's idolatry. If you don't tithe... In verse 13, it says that, you are, that you're not loyal to God, nor are you loyal to what God intended the tithe to do. In other words, you're not loyal to the men and women who are serving the church. It's a sin against God, and it's a sin against the church if you don't tithe. This, this is not just me preaching. This is not an opinion. This is the Word. And God says if, if, you, if you don't do this, if you can't be trusted with this, how are you going to be trusted with the riches of heaven? How are you going to be trusted with that? And he says, you can't be, and so I'm not going to pour that out. The local church is the voice of God. And so when we don't tithe, we distort the voice of God if, if, if we don't give to the local church. Tithing is the physical act that brings about a spiritual result. It releases heaven. And so it diminishes the testimony of God when we don't tithe because heaven can't be poured out. Now listen, listen to this. I want you all to hear me. This is, this is freeing stuff. I believe that 95 of the, of percent of the people that are going to be at Eastside Church and call it home are going, are going to become tithers. I think they're going to become people who tithe and bring offerings. And the reason I believe that it's because I believe God wants to pour blessing out here. And I don't believe he can pour blessing out here unless we got a group of people who are willing to manifest his generosity. Do you believe God is stingy or do you believe he's a generous God? And so he wants us to be a generous people. I want a reputation in this city and in this community of being a generous people. I want people to say about this church, have you ever been there? Man, that's the most generous group of people I've ever been around. They represent the nature and the character of God. And so when we don't tithe, we sin against God and we sin against the church. And I'll tell you how, how we do that here in just a second. But, but we sin against God by uh, giving a false impression to the world of the generosity and the blessing of God. He didn't want to see a church struggling financially. It needs to be prospering financially. Would you agree? Yeah. That's the way, that's the way he wants it. Um, everything that he sees has everything to do with my heart, and he knows my heart. So tithing is all about my heart. It's all about the lordship of Christ. It's all about my loyalty to Jesus. It's all about whether I believe and love the people of God. And how is a sin against the body of Christ is this. It puts, due, it puts undue pressure on the rest of the body of Christ because I'm not carrying my load. 
When, when you're not tithing, it puts more pressure on the rest of the body who is. Because you're not carrying your love. And, we, we, and it could be so much more accomplished in the ministry of the church, right? And, and so that's, that's how it puts pressure on the body that God isn't pleased with. And so we don't want to do that. We want to get 95% of the people in this church. That is a large percentage already. We're much above average. But who cares about average? I don't care about average. I, I want to be a place where God can look down and say, there's an incredible generous people. I'm going to just, I'm going to bombard them with heaven. I'm going to pour out heaven on them. So giving begins with the tithe, and the New Testament grace doesn't let you off the hook. But the good news is this. God wants to give you your own stuff. What happens is being faithful, being a faithful steward with the tithe will release the true riches. Look, into what's, it, look at what's in your hand. Look at what God has given you and, and what you're doing with it and, and, and see that you're doing what he wants you to do and watch him pour out of him. He just doesn't want you to own things. He, he, he doesn't just want, he just, um, let's see if I can put this right. Uh, he, he wants you to own things. He doesn't want things to own you, though. He wants you to own things, but if you give your 10%, they'll never own you. Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. This scripture is always used when a preacher preaches about tithing. Now, let me just say this about this, too. Let me, let me, let me just talk about a couple of things. First of all, um, I hear all kind. I hear all kind of things about tithing, and and I understand them. First of all, I, I hear this: all the church wants to do is make money. All these preachers are making so much stinking money these days, and all those things are true. And sometimes, sometimes it's probably not a good thing. Oftentimes it could be. I'm not arguing against that. What I'm arguing is it doesn't matter to you. What, 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 they're going to have to give them an account to that. But if you want heaven to be poured out on you, if you want the riches of heaven, you better do what God says. This, this is the principle of the kingdom. This is shrewdness. This is taking care of your future. This is looking so that your future be blessed. doesn't have anything to do with other people doing. When you hear stuff, but I, I know people, I know pastors, I know pastors personally that make lots of money that give 80% of it away and live on 20. I know somebody like that. I know him personally. I've been in his house. I know people who don't take salaries from churches, that have mega churches, that all they do is live on the book stuff they write. They live on the, of course, that's enough. I mean, that's enough because they make lots of money on books. But the point of the matter is that has nothing to do with anything. Do you know that people have been trying to make money off the gospel since Acts chapter 9, I think it is, where Simon wants to start making money by laying hands on people and so they're filled with the Holy Spirit? There will always be people who try to make money on the gospel, but that does not change the principle And God says, be shrewd. How? Take advantages of the principles of the kingdom so that your future is blessed. Right? And bring it to the storehouse. Now listen. I hear, I hear well, I don't know if they're going to handle my money right. Listen. That doesn't matter either. God didn't ask you if you think they're going to If you don't think that this church can handle your money the way you want it. You need to go somewhere else. Find you a church where you can be obedient to God because that's where the blessing of heaven is going to be poured out on you. And the deal is not where you go to the church. The deal is whether you want the, the spiritual blessings of heaven poured out on you. Okay? So this is not about us getting, it's about you being shrewd which is the whole reason for this parable. So God takes what you've already got in your hand, and he's seeing how you handle that, and he wants to release 
true riches to you because you manage what he's given you well. And here's, the, here's what people do. They, they say, well, you know, Pastor, you, you're probably right. I'm going to put 60 extra dollars in the pot today. I hear this, and, I, and I'm not making fun. Hear me. I'm not making fun. I'm trying to get you to understand. That will not help you. It won't help you. You can't make an offering that's going to get you right with God. The only way to get on the right path where you open heaven up is be obedient to what God asks you to do, and that's to bring 10% to the storehouse. And quit trying to find out ways where you can reduce your income. This is not taxes. This is not to be a burden to you. Right? I want to reduce my ordinary income so I can tithe less. Are you kidding me? God says, you pick how you want heaven poured out on you. You establish that. You want to cut it down or you want to find something else you can tithe on? Something else you can give on. Which one do you want to do? Do you really believe God? Do you trust Him? Are you loyal to Him? Makes a difference. And He says if, if He can't trust you with that, how's He going to trust you with spiritual riches? I had a pastor one time. This is my best sermon analogy I could think of. He said to me, um, do you tithe on your housing allowance? Looking for a reason why maybe not to tithe on his housing allowance. Now, I want you to just understand what housing allowance is. Housing allowance was originally given to pastors because they didn't make any money. And so you could have a housing allowance so that it wouldn't be taxed. So you could bring home a little bit more, right? So you got paid a housing allowance. You want me to say that one more time? You got paid a housing allowance. Should I tithe on when I get paid or not? Of course you should. But if your heart is saying, how can I get out of, how can I reduce my income so I don't have to tithe as much? That's a heart condition, and that's not a good steward. You're not getting the principle that God says build your house on. Right? You've got to get the principle. That's the point of this message. And I've never preached on tithing like this in seven years. This is the truth. This is the Word of God. He wants to pour spiritual blessings on you. He wants to open up heaven on you. He wants to save family members. He wants to heal. He wants to protect. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. Now I'm there. I wanted to get rid of all the mess that we have to deal with. And it's honest mess. It's truth, right? All that stuff is legit question marks. But look, look at what God says in verse 8, chapter 3. Now, I want everything I've said, I want you to hear the last thing God writes in the Old Testament before the New. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. Will a man rob God? What's the answer to that? Of course not, Lord. How, would a man really rob you? No, we wouldn't rob you. That's kind of, yet you rob me. But you say, in what way have I robbed you, God, in tithes and offerings? Circle and, if you've got your Bible, you need to have your Bible. Bring your Bible to church. Not your phones, your Bible. Hey, you can bring them too, but you can't circle your phone. In tithes and offerings. When did offerings begin? After the 10%. Generosity begins after 10. Tithes are not yours. Offerings are. You are cursed with a curse. Why are you cursed? Because you're not bringing your tithe. For you've robbed me, even the, the whole nation, the whole church has robbed me. Bring all, I've got all circled again, bring all, say it with me, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. 
that there may be food in my house, that there may be provision for the house of God. Don't give your tithe somewhere other than where you're eating. All right? There may be food in my house. And, and try me on this. Listen to what God says. Test me, somebody's Bible says, right? Try me. Test me on this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I won't open for you the windows of heaven. I'll open heaven up to you. I'll pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I'll even rebuke the devourer. I'll even rebuke the devil for your sake. Why? Because you tithe. Because you're generous. Because you're representing me well. And I'll even make sure that, that your fruitfulness will not be destroyed. That you will not destroy the fruit. That he, the devourer, won't destroy the work of your hand on the ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. In other words, there's going to be so much blessing poured out on you that people are going to say, wow, look at the kids of God. Now think about that in, in, large, in a large spectrum if 95% of those that call Eastside Church home actually tithe to the storehouse. Not give, not tip not bring an offering. Offering does not solve the problem. Repentance solves the problem. Repentance is changing what you're doing and making a decision to do what God asks you to do. I'm going to bring 10% to the storehouse because you asked me to. And then I'm going to be generous and send my offerings where I choose. Amen? I want you to hear me. Offerings will not deliver you. Repentance brings freedom in Jesus' name. Man, this is what I'm excited about. The outpouring of heaven on you. As we learn to be obedient, and the more testimonies I hear about the excellence and the goodness of our generous God. Did you hear that? I can't wait to hear the testimonies of our generous God in your life. Because you said yes, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. Amen? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, I thank you that your word is true. Father, I do not want to despise your word. Can you say that with me? Father, I do not want to despise your word. I want to love what you love and hate what you hate. I want to Honor your word. The tithe is holy. It's yours. I think there are people here today that might think, well, I don't even know if I have a relationship with Christ, if that's what lordship means. If that's you today, I pray that you would make a decision to make Jesus your Lord and you would you would come up and just say, hey, I'm not, I'm not really sure, man, whether I've really made him Lord of my life or not. And today, I want to follow Christ. And then, on top of that, I want to begin to do what he says. And he says that he wants me to tithe, and I'm going to begin that as well. Some of you just need to repent because you haven't been tithing. You might even have been giving. You might have been giving. You might have even been giving away 10%. You just haven't been bringing it to the storehouse. I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we would get the air clear, that we would do that, and we would become a generous congregation so that the Lord could pour out. We would line up with his word and his way and recognize that we cannot outgive God, that we set the precedent of his giving back to us by the way we give to him. 
and we value what he values. Father, we repent, and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to give us revelation and that your grace would be sufficient. I just feel like I need to pray this, man. I feel like I need to pray this. <clears throat> Let's just lift your hands with me if, if you don't mind, if you, if you can trust me to pray over you a blessing. Father, I pray, Lord God, as you say, uh, as we give, it'll be given back. Father, I just pray that we would test, and I pray that they would, I pray an abundance would fall. I, I pray that quickly, Lord, you would show your favor that you would show your blessing. I pray that it would happen like that. I pray this week as we follow you in obedience that it would just begin to move all over the place, that people would get saved, people would get healed, that we would pray for people and they would, they would experience your presence. God, that, that there would be an abundance, there would be fruitfulness in what we did, that we would receive checks in the mail or refunds or whatever it might be so that you, we could see and recognize that you pour out on us and that's who you are. I pray, God, that that would occur all over the place. And it's not just money. It's spiritual blessing. It's, it's heavenly things. It's kingdom. Pour out, God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One second. Give me one second. If you need prayer, if you want prayer, our prayer team, y'all go ahead and come. I'm just going to say something here in a second. If y'all need prayer about salvation, you know somebody that's going through divorce at work, and you need to pray for them, pray for them. You know somebody's in transition, you know somebody that needs financial help, whatever it is, let's pray for these people. Let's don't just walk out of here. They won't take all your time. They'll be short. Y'all will be short prayers, won't you? Y'all be short prayers. Short prayer, just hit, just hit it. Just agree and hit it. Amen? So pray for people. Amen? I don't know what she's going to say. Well, actually, you know this, because I think you're the only person that Paul shared this with a while back. Um, Paul doesn't like drama. He doesn't like to, you know, put things out there. But one day a while back, it's been several months, he was on a call. He was in a bus lane. Um, you know, the emergency lanes, there's only really room for... Paul the cop. Yeah, one emergency vehicle. So he's flying through there with his blue lights on. And it was a Friday. The first thing he does on Friday at 9 o'clock when the bank opens is he goes to the bank and he gets our tithe out. And I'm very thankful for that because our family has been blessed so much. And it's not, not monetary, but there have been so many times that things don't work out on paper and it works out. There was a very generous person in this church who I don't know it was, who when I was out of work, I had surgery. My husband wasn't, he was not doing his off-duty work because he was with me. I had been diagnosed with, um, with uterine cancer, and someone in the church, I don't know who it was, um, actually gave a specific amount of money that God led them to give to us. Now, I know this person is faithful, and I know they didn't give it to us and not give to the church. But God spoke to them, and they used their blessing to bless us, and it was the exact amount that we needed to pay our rent, to finish off paying our rent that month. Um, but back to the other story, Paul's riding through there. He's going fast, of course. There's a truck, uh, a civilian, in the, in the lane coming towards him. Measurably, there should not be room for two vehicles to pass without acting actually touching um, he tried to get over as far as he could he said he just knew he knew he was gonna die so he pulled over as far as he could he just slammed on brakes he said he just closed his eyes and the next thing he knew he looked up in the rearview mirror and the truck was past him everything in the seat beside him had fallen in the floor there was his laptop there were books there were paperwork sitting on top of that was the tithe envelope everything in the floor except the tithe envelope, was sitting right there in the seat. By all intents and purposes, it should have been on the floor. And it wasn't God saying, hey, thank you for your money. It was God saying, thank you for being obedient. I allowed this to happen to let you know that I appreciate your obedience and I have a plan for you and that I will provide for you in abundance to carry out the plan. 
that I have for your life. Amen. 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 That's good. They're all over. Tell him I told you. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all over the place. They're all over the place. We've got them all over the place at this church. I just want them to grow. And I don't want you to be left out. Don't be left out. Release the blessings of God on your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night.